my name is Campbell Smith. I'm in the class of 2022, and this is my leadership philosophy. What is leadership? There isn't one simple answer to this question, nor is there one solid universally agreed upon definition. I like the question, how are you a leader for others, much more. The question, what is leadership, implies some sort of objectivity. Leadership can't be objective because leadership at its core is about unique individuals trying to get the best out of themselves and of others. First and foremost, leadership is about you and your story. I choose to lean into my uniqueness and personality in my leadership. If I can't act authentically and be vulnerable as a leader, how can I expect others to be authentic and vulnerable to me in return? Though I can't perfectly define leadership, I can explain how I've seen leadership affect my life. For me, leadership is a calling, a vocation to serve others. Leaders must be servants for the hearts of the people on their team and in their lives. Leaders who do not consider how people's lives will be affected by the decisions they make and the actions they take simply can't be effective. Well, I believe that leadership is fundamentally about uniqueness and authenticity, it is also essential to adopt an others first, me next philosophy when it comes to being a leader. I have found time and time again that if I put myself aside, listen to others, and prioritize their well-being, they will automatically feel more comfortable. Growth for both myself and the people I'm serving is so much more attainable when I simply prioritize the needs of others. Prioritizing others, like many other aspects of good leadership, often requires a bit of sacrifice. Putting others first sometimes forces me into a slightly uncomfortable situation. It sometimes forces me to withhold my opinions or my advice. Sometimes it forces me to keep from talking about myself, which I have a tendency to do a lot of. Those uncomfortable moments and little sacrifices always lead to growth for me as a leader. I grow when I have to confront new situations, come up with new solutions, and admit that I don't always have the right answer. To come up with those new solutions, leaders must depend on their teammates. Working collaboratively, unfortunately, isn't always painless. However, I have grown immensely as a result of collaborating with and listening to my teammates. Collaboration is an essential step for all leaders to take, no matter how difficult it may seem. A life of leadership in service to the hearts of others isn't for everyone. A life of leadership requires an elevated level of dedication and hard work. It is my firm belief that leaders cannot be effective if they are not hard workers. Hard work, determination, and resiliency are aspects of leadership that are not as attractive as some other aspects, but are equally or more important than those other aspects. Leaders must be willing to put their noses to the grindstone and get things done. Sometimes the best thing that the leaders can do is carry boxes or move chairs. Good leaders ultimately do the things that will best benefit them, the team, or the people that they're serving. Quite often the thing that will help others the most is a job or a task that requires hard work and tenacity. It's safe to say that I have failed as a leader more than I have succeeded. I've learned that failure isn't what ultimately matters. What ultimately matters is my response to that failure. We don't enter into life knowing exactly what to do, how to do it, and why we do it. We learn what to do, how to do it, and why we do it, 
by making an honest effort and honestly, usually failing, at least a little bit. I rely on determination and grit in times when I feel like I have fallen short. I learned from a young age that it's beneficial to have a short memory, learn lessons from the past, and quickly look for opportunities to apply those lessons. For me, college was the first time I had to deal with larger scale rejections, disappointments, and failures. I could have rolled over and submitted to the feelings of inadequacy that I experienced at that time, but I learned that leaders can't succumb to the people who doubt them or challenge them. The people who have challenged me throughout my life are the ones I'm most thankful for, because without them, I wouldn't have grown in my leadership as much as I have. Leaders must be gritty and willing to put hard work into every situation. This I truly believe, but I also believe that leaders must must allow themselves to be vulnerable, emotional, and loving. Grit and vulnerability are not mutually exclusive. When a leader is vulnerable, open, and honest, that leader becomes so much more accessible. The leaders I've known and valued throughout my life have been truly kind and loving people. Take a moment to think of the most influential leaders in your life. Are those leaders distant and cold? Or are they personable, kind, and giving? My guess is that they are the latter. Good leaders can't afford to be cold, distant, and shrewd. Leaders must invest in the emotional well-being of the people they serve. After all, who wants to work hard and make sacrifices for someone that doesn't actually care about their success and happiness? I surely don't. So, Campbell, you, you began by saying, first and foremost, leadership is about you and your story. Could you tell us a little bit about where your journey into leadership began? Yeah, of course. So, I like to think of myself as a lifelong leader. And I think that I really started being a leader, even in elementary school. I think it starts that early. It can start that early. It doesn't always start that early, I, in my opinion, though. I think that as I matured, went through middle school, and especially once I got into high school, my thoughts about what leadership is and how it affected my life really changed. I think that in high school, a lot of students like myself kind of get involved very heavily in extracurriculars, definitely in school, and uh, I was personally involved in National Honor Society, I was in theater, and I really start to see, started to see at that point that leadership really affected my life and that I was called to be a leader, which I talk about a little bit more. And I think that that calling to be a leader was always there within me, but really got brought out of me. And I really started to came, come out of my shell more in high school. So that was when I felt really good about being a leader. And I think it only has grown from there. You know, I'm just finishing up my sophomore year here at BC. And I like to think that I have done an okay job as a leader. I have learned a lot, especially through my experiences in ELP. But I think that being a leader in college is a really special experience and something that I am very fortunate to uh, have experienced myself. And I think I am just very, very excited to see where my leadership can grow from here. And it's not always been easy. And uh, I've had lots of roadblocks and Sometimes I've failed more than I've succeeded, 
But as a leader, I think that it's something that started young and has only continued to grow. And I'm really excited to see where it can go from here. You also use the words culling and vocation uh, to describe leadership. If you don't mind me asking, could you provide your own definition of these words and guide us a little bit to the importance of these terms in the context of leadership? Uh, for example, how do we find our callings? Oh man, that is a great question. So I think that calling and vocation are terms that I have personally heard a lot of. Uh, at BC in the context of uh, the Jesuit education. We hear these terms like hero personalis, care for the whole person. And I think that um, I'm really interested in these Jesuit terms like calling, vocation, hero personalis, uh, the motto of Boston College ever to excel. And I think that calling and vocation are really about service. And you know, I'm going to let my Latin nerd come through here a little bit. Vocation comes from the word to call um, in Latin, and that, that's obviously where we get the word, word calling and um, kind of voice even comes from that. So I think vocation is about A, having a voice, and B, finding that voice as you mature and as you learn things. I have learned so much about uh, my different vocations but I also don't have any idea at all what my job is gonna be. Vocation, I don't think is the same thing as a job or even a career. It can be, and hopefully, you know, by the time I'm graduating BC, I do have a vocation that manifests itself in some sort of job because that would be sad if I didn't. But vocation is really about service and about finding that call within yourself. So how do we find our callings is kind of the second part of your question. And, and that's something that I struggle with every day. You know, I don't know the answer about how we find our callings long term, because I'm still, you know, I'm 20 years old and still kind of figuring it out. But short term callings, I think we have to listen. Listening is very important. We have to listen to calls from each other. We have to listen to our parents, we have to listen to our families, we have to listen to our friends, our professors. All these people in our lives are really, really important. And if we only kind of humble ourselves just a little bit, listen to the call, then we will find a vocation, then we will find a calling. And you know, I, I mentioned, I think in my first answer about how I think of leadership as a great vocation and a calling. And you know, there's no job once you graduate that is just okay, all right, I'm majoring in leadership to be a leader. That's not exactly how it works, but I think that we can use these little callings and even bigger callings uh, to create a life that is very, very fulfilling. And I think that Boston College does a great job of providing students with the opportunity to listen to those calls uh, from amazing mentors and amazing students. So I'm really thankful that BC has been the place for me to hear and find some of my callings and some of my vocations. Yeah, Campbell, I, re I really appreciate particularly what you say uh, and the distinction you make between short-term and long-term callings. I, I think that's really important, but I, I also appreciate in your piece uh, your statement that prioritizing others allowed you to find growth in your own leadership journey. So how does service facilitate this growth? How does, how does that growth manifest itself? Well, Bjorn, you know, service is at the heart of leadership. And I feel like sometimes I have lost 
track of service being at the heart of leadership. I think even when I was younger in high school, uh, I thought of leadership as not necessarily service-based, but as achievement-based. And that's really not what it's about at its core. Leadership is absolutely about service and service to others and service to a greater cause. And when I learned that leadership is a number one, totally, completely, and fully about service to others, I started to grow as a leader. And I think I realized this maybe in high school, but I definitely at Boston College and in all of my experiences with ELP, with other student organizations, with roommates and, uh, you know, eating dinner with some fantastic friends, I have learned that it's about service. And when I serve others, I tend to grow a little bit more. Now, how does that happen? I think that service is about other people. It's not about yourself. Even though leadership starts with you and it starts with a personal journey, ultimately the goal is to inspire change within others and gather people to you to get something done, something good done. So I think that I start to grow when I incorporate other people into my life and listen to what they have to, what they have to say, like listening to vocations. Listening to other people is really important. So I think collaboration is a value that I hold near and dear to my heart and something that I honestly did not develop until I got to college on a very like uh, rudimentary level. I guess in high school, I was working with others on group projects, I guess, but sometimes I had a tendency to dominate that project if I knew I could get it done. Or uh, even early on in conversations in ELP and other organizations, when I thought I had the right answer, I would call out, I would stand up, and I would say, here's the right answer, I have it. Well, here's the thing, Bjorn, like, I don't always have those right answers, you know? It, a lot of times it comes from other people, their input, and their thoughts. So growth cannot happen on a personal level unless you include other people, in my humble opinion. So collaboration is really at the heart of leadership because service is at the heart of leadership and you can't serve others without including them. And I, I talk about this a little bit in the piece, but I feel like leaders really have to be willing and able to invest in the emotional, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Invest in the emotional capacity and, and well-being of of the people whom they're serving. Because if I don't allow myself to listen and feel closely with another person, I'm not gonna be able to get through to them. And then I'm not gonna be able to collaborate with them. And then I'm not going to be able to grow. So that, that's a few, few steps there on the ladder. But I think that ultimately it's about collaboration and one, one collaborates one can grow. And I certainly have grown lots and lots and lots because I've collaborated with other people. And so to move our way back directly to the piece, often when imagining a quote gritty leader, I think many of us see a thick skinned stoic sort of character. And I think in your piece, you do well to push past that stereotype and stating that grit and vulnerability are not mutually exclusive. So I have to ask, how have you seen that combination of grit and vulnerability 
come to fruition in your own leadership or in the leadership of others and, and what makes it effective? Oh yeah. Well, thank you for that. I think that um, grit is really important and that's something that's been instilled in me uh, by really my family, my dad especially. He, you know, has cultivated within my family a, a sense that you have to work hard to get good results. And I think there's so much truth in that. And I uh, have come to where I am in life right now and have done the really amazing things that I've been able to do and had the enormous privileges that I've had partly because of hard work. And I think that, you know, I definitely did not want to diminish uh, hard work or, or grit or determination at all. But I also think that you're exactly right, Bjorn. It can't be just grit in leadership. You can't just be this stoic, larger than life, out of touch character if you wanna be a leader. Like I was mentioning for the last question, leaders like myself who are trying to be effective have to try to invest in the emotional well-being of the people that they're serving. They just have to, because I think that if somebody is not willing to invest in the emotional well-being of the people that they're serving, then they're not gonna get a good response in return. And I think that stoic leaders who are just about grit, who are just about hard work, who are just about determination, aren't necessarily willing to make that emotional investment. So it's a delicate balance. It's one that I think that I've had a little bit of trouble sometimes doing. You know, sometimes I've, I've had uh, a little bit too much grittiness in my personality. Not, not often. I think more often I'm on the other side, which is I'm having a little bit too much um, emotional uh, response, too many emotional responses to people that I'm serving. But overall, I think that I'm really working to strike that balance because, and I mentioned this in the piece, if you think about the most important leaders in your life, and if I think about the most important leaders in my life, they aren't cold people. They aren't people who are workhorses, and they aren't people who can't slow down for a second to check in on someone. I think that's really important. You know, I, I've had a lot of experiences both inside the emerging leader program and outside of it where i just had to stop and have a conversation with somebody heart to heart about maybe was about something that was maybe difficult to talk about about something that was maybe uh, a little bit hard in that person's life maybe it was hard for me maybe i was having a bad day you know on my bad days i don't really want to do gritty things. I don't want to have to just put my nose to the grindstone and get through something if I'm really hurting on the inside. And the best leaders in my life have always recognized that within me. So if I am having a bad day, I haven't been attracted to leaders who are just saying, oh, just work harder, get through it, you'll be fine. No, I, I haven't been attracted to those people. I've been attracted to the leaders who say, okay, let's take a step back. Let's assess the situation. Let's get you feeling better about yourself. And then a little bit later, we'll move on. And I think that's one of the best skills that a leader can have. To recognize that something isn't going right 
to recognize that there's more at stake sometimes than just getting something done, to recognize that there's more to life than just getting A's in classes, and to recognize that the most important thing sometimes is to care about another individual. And I think that my biggest core value is empathy. If I can't empathize with somebody, it makes me kind of crazy. I really want to connect with other people, and that's how I'm a leader. Connection and empathy. Well, Campbell, thank you so much for your empathy and your warmth and leadership. Um, I think that certainly came through in your piece and what you shared with us today. Now, we do like to close our podcast with a little bit of a, a lighthearted question. And I'm going to be honest, this one's a little controversial, so bear with me. Um, I got to ask you, what is your favorite dining hall? All right, is it Stewart, McElroy, Lower, Hillside, or The Rat? Oh, Bjorn, this is a tough one. Oh, man. <laughs> feel like I can't answer this question without ticking some people off, but here goes. I think that number one out of everything you just listed has to be lower. Now, I have some reservations. The best food of that list, I think, is Hillside. I think the most options is Mac. I mm. think that stew is great, but I was an upper kid. I think that the rat is great for socializing, but not for food. That just leaves lower, man. It, quesadillas from lower can't beat them that's my answer final answer buzz it in wow so the quesadillas take you over the finish line the quesadillas um, clinch it dang by the nose all right well hey thank you so much again uh for taking the time to talk with us today your insights are always deeply appreciated gamble bjorn thank you so much this was an absolute joy to get to do and uh i hope to talk to you soon likewise